Good afternoon. I'm Al Crescent. We celebrate the life and appeal to the intercession of St. Charles Borromeo. Uh, he is one of those outstanding figures of our past that the truth is we don't know what, I mean, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about him. He was an outstanding reformer around the time of the Council of Trent, and I thought we really ought to spend a little bit of time taking a look at what he accomplished, the church as he faced it at that time, and what he did to bring it into reform. My guest is uh, William Duino. He is a contributor to Inside the Vatican Magazine and many other publications. Bill writes about religion, history, politics uh, quite frequently. He contributed uh, an extensive bibliography of works on Pius XII to the book The Pious War, Responses to the Critics of Pius XII. And Bill, it's good to have you back here. Thanks. Uh, Thank you so much, Al, for having me back, uh, especially after we celebrated St. John uh, the 23rd's feast, and now uh, we're going to celebrate one of St. John the 23rd's heroes, St. Charles that, Borromeo. That is true. That's right. Uh, he writes about uh, that in Journal of a Soul. Um, talk to me a little bit about the setting uh, for his life. He was born into nobility, right? Uh, he certainly was. It yeah. was the sixth, early 16th century, so we're talking around 1538. Now, at the time, the Church was in, uh, shall we say, deep confusion and even corruption, mm-hmm. and it would have been very easily. He was, he was born into wealth, and um, today he might be termed, you know, uh, at, at least when he was born, not later on, you know, a, um, a trust fund baby, as they call them. Yeah. Okay? He, they, it was set up for him to live a luxurious, li- luxurious life and to, you know, live a kind of um, uh, live in, in, in indulgence and, and, and wealth and so on for the rest of his life, but he chose not to do that. He chose the narrow path, which so many did not in his day. And even though he could have easily become uh, among the ranks of the corrupt in that Renaissance era clergy, when there was so much sin and disrepute and so forth, uh, he turned he turned the whole situation around. And he told his uh, fathers and his parents and his relatives, uh, all of whom were rather attached to the world, that he wanted to uh, become a dedicated servant of Christ, which and he did, and they even they recognized it. Be, and he he was so impressive at a young age that at the age of I believe it was twenty two, uh, by that time he'd become a young lawyer and a canonist. His uncle had been elected Pope Pius the Fourth, and at the age of twenty two, incredibly, he was he got his uncle the Pope to revive the uh, Council of Trent. It had started much earlier, but it had all sorts of interruptions and so forth. And during the last section, it was St. Charles Borromeo, more than anyone, who, more than the Pope himself, one can actually say, that you know, got the organized effort to get all of the now famous um, decrees of the Council through. And then right afterwards, it was he who helped promote the famous Council of the, uh, the, uh, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, the so-called Roman Catechism. And he was, I think he was about 25 at the time. Also, about at that time, I mean, he was ordained during the count, during the uh, last session of the Council of Trent. He became also the Cardinal Archbishop of Milan. Uh-huh. Now, the amazing thing about that was, at the time, Milan was uh, the, the largest archdiocese in Italy, except for the fact that it also became one of the most, you know, corrupt, and it was nearly in ruins because for eighty years it had not had an archbishop, even though it had three thousand clergy and eight hundred thousand people. 
So it desperately need to be saved. And who's a, who, who comes in as, as the man to, uh, on this heroic effort of reform? It's St. Charles Borromeo. And what he did in just you know, a short time, because he died to skip ahead from he only did, I think he was only 46. But what he did as the Cardinal Archbishop of Milan is absolutely amazing. And by the way, it, was, it is so amazing what he did to turn around this you know, distraught uh, in ruins diocese that's why St. John XXIII wrote no less than five volumes about St. Charles Borromeo's holiness and all the successful implements he did, uh, successful reforms he implemented to turn around the Nazis. So he, and, and what was important about that is that St. John XXIII recognized St. Charles Borromeo as a very contemporary, timeless figure. And he wanted his insights, Borromeo's, to, uh, to be applied to the Second Vatican Council and afterwards. Huh. To say that we have fallen short of Barmeo's <laughs> standards, it would be an understatement. But nonetheless, just to sum up some of the things that he did, because you asked me about his accomplishments, I wrote something about him in 2017 uh, for First Things, entitled St. Charles Barmeo, Model Bishop, Holy Reformer. And anyone can look it up and Google it. But I just want to read just a couple of sentences from it. Sure. I said, uh, at the time he was appointed the Archbishop, Cardinal Archbishop of Milan, uh, many religious and laity had fallen in the church, and many who remained were corrupt or wayward. Barmeo was undaunted. With a cheerfulness and determination that astonished his contemporaries, he traveled up and down his diocese, enacting vigorous reforms in line with Trent and the Roman Catechism. He convoked six provincial and eleven diocesan synods, founded seminaries to educate a new generation of priests, established hospitals, and set aside his large inheritance for the needs of the poor. He also renewed religious life, and started a new congregation of secular priests, the Oblates. And then in 1576, when a plague struck Milan, many of the healthy fled, but Borromeo remained in the city, visiting the stricken and comforting the dying, and in one extraordinary episode that has become legendary, he climbed on top of a stack of corpses to give the last rites to a man who was still breathing and begging for the sacraments. Wow. So this is the man. Wow. Holy, he was truly what I call a full-dimensional Catholic, not someone who cherry-picked teachings or who was sometimes good and sometimes bad. I mean, every ounce of his life he put in to reforming the Church and living a holy, chaste, and moral life. And, uh, you know, this is, I think that's one of the reasons he died so young, because he gave every ounce of himself to the Lord and to the Church and to uh, all the Catholics uh, for, for the salvation of their souls. I just, there's, there's a few people in the Church that I can speak of more highly than uh, St. Charles Borromeo. Yeah. Uh, I hope more people learn more about him, because yeah. he's really an incredible figure. No, I, I agree. When you take the stands that he took, when you're uh, that uh, assertive in living out the faith, you're going to make people uncomfortable, some people uncomfortable anyways. Absolutely. Uh, were there vested interests that fought back oh, against him? Oh, not only were there vested interests, you know, we talk about today about, um, you know, the secular press and the descending uh, elements of the Church attacking good, holy bishops and, and priests and leaders in the Church, uh, including sometimes, it must be said, Pope Francis himself, sure. when he's trying to make a good point. They do not like it when he speaks out uh, with force and fearsomeness against abortion, against gender ideology, against immorality and hypocrisy and so forth. Um, and the same was true in St. Charles Borromeo's time. And he was actually threatened uh, and uh, he almost was assassinated by uh, some very corrupt figures. So, but he, he didn't allow that to discourage him. He went on with his work to revive and regenerate Milan, which he succeeded. And the Lord, uh, he, he, he 
he helped uh, people along the way to live honest, God-fearing lives. And he didn't allow any of these, um, uh, these threats against his life to, to deter him one minute, one inch. And so, you know, he was an extreme. He, he, he was a true disciple of Christ because he did not fear the world. And he knew that in the long run, it was only a mighty God and Jesus Christ would have to face it. And, you know, when we see today bishops that say, and there are a few of them do, do say this, I have to speak, I have to act not only on behalf of the Church and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and His Church, I have to act on behalf of myself and try to save my own soul because God's going to hold me responsible as well, yeah. uh, as well as uh, the people's souls that I'm ministering to. So that was his opinion as well. If we withdraw and we, you know, into our own sort of like uh, private uh, supposed piety, we're not doing the Lord's job. Right. We have to spread it and evangelize the gospel with fearlessness, and that's what St. Charles Borromeo did. Um, what did? Uh, can you tell me what he did to help uh, laity uh, get formed? Oh, well, what, well, what he did, the most important thing he did is that he organized and he restructured the church because no one knew where to look in those days. And there was still, uh, don't forget, this was coming out uh, right when the Protestant Revolution was coming out. And so uh, he, 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 um, he worked and reframed the whole uh, issues that were going on in the church. And he gave the people what they desperately needed. He gave them moral clarity. And he taught them three things. First, that the role of the faithful uh, bishop, uh, the role of a faithful bishop is not to accommodate or enable sin, uh, but to teach the faithful what is right and wrong. So he established that there is a hierarchy, and yeah. you know there's a difference between a, a Catholic leader and a lady, which is not in any way to put down the lady, because the yeah. lady is called the holiness too. Right. But he made that crystal clear, because people are trying to merge the two together. The second, And that, I think, uh, inspired many of the lady, because they need leadership. Yeah. Uh, you know, the second thing he did, that uh, he knew that all reforms began and begin with the individual's heart. You know, we can talk about reform from here till the cows come home, but unless we ourselves, on an individual basis, transform ourselves and become holy people ourselves, there's not going to be any reform to talk about, okay? Because reform ultimately comes down to the individual. So people talk about these grand things about reforming the church and changing the church. (laughs) None of that's going to stick unless individuals are holy. And the final thing he did uh, is to to, uh, exhort people and warn them about the monumental difference between true reform, orthodoxy and holiness, and false reform, about which, for example, I, in, in Germany, where they're blessing all sorts of immoral situations, um, and know the difference between the difference between uh, true reform and false reform is literally, in his opinion, and the opinion of all the saints, I believe, um, between heaven and hell. Hmm. That's interesting. That's a good way of putting it. It's a good way of putting it. Uh, you mentioned earlier that he died fairly young, 46 years old. Uh, do we know... It- what the ailment was? Uh, no, I think it was just a matter of just, you know, um, uh, I don't think there was any, it, it may have been, you know, there was a plague, it, it may have been he caught some of that, and but it may have been just exhaustion, and in those days they didn't have quite the medical capacities or anything nearer to him that, that, that we do today, but I just think it was just a sheer exhaustion and his dedication and his overwork, but, but you know, he died for the Lord right until the very yep. last inch. And incidentally, there has the great news is that for the, just a few years ago, there was published for the first time in English uh, a book called Charles Borromeo, his orations, his homilies, and his writings. You anticipated really, my next question. <laughs> oh, yes, because I, if, if anyone wants to go and see what a holy man is, uh, this, uh, he was, I would highly recommend you, you look it up. It's simply called Charles Borromeo, 
Selected Orations, Homilies, and Writings, uh, edited by Monsignor John Sihak, C-I-H-A-K. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's the book. And one of the things to talk about how contemporary was that he speaks about repeatedly is about the worthiness to receive Holy Communion. How hot a topic is that these days? Um, <laughs> He's right. And, and, yeah. and he, I'll just give you a couple of quotes. He said, the people should not only be urged to receive Holy Communion frequently, he said, but also told how, and taught how dangerous and fatal it is it would be to approach the sacred table of divine food unworthily. And again, he goes on, the most holy Eucharist is properly a sacrament of the living. It requires, therefore, that those who receive it be spiritually li- living, for it was instituted for the sake of sustaining and increasing life. Therefore, he who remains in death, who is in mortal sin, should stay far from the table. Let him first hasten to, li- to life, to penance, and then... For the sacrament of confession is so. The, for, for the second confession is the first and necessary disposition for the Eucharist. So he's laying down the law there, and he's saying, "Do not approach the Holy Eucharist unless you are in a state of grace. Go to confession first, repent, make a firm purpose of amendment." How often do we hear that these days? Not often. Not yeah. often enough. In that's so true. Well, thanks so much. Wonderful talking to you again, and uh, really do appreciate the profile of St. Charles Borromeo, modeled bishop, uh, holy reformer, and uh, mention once again the the volume in English, so we can read some of it. Oh, yes, that is, in, is called Charles Borromeo, Selected Orations, comma, Homilies and Writings, edited by Monsignor John Seahack, or Chihack, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. C-I-H-A-K. Look it up on Amazon. Um, just type in Charles Borromeo, his homilies and writings, and I'm sure you'll find it on Get Amazon it, yeah. by Monsignor Seahack. That's the one to read, okay? All Thanks right, so Bill. Thanks for having me on. Al. Yeah, love talking to you. Again, yeah. Bill Duino, we'll have uh, his First Things piece available for you and some other uh, follow-up information, too, on St. Charles Borromeo.